Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. We are in the Gospel of St. Mark this month. Every month I give you a book of the month to follow along. Every month I take a book and I study it out from front to back. Often I'll read it through several times to try to get it deep down in my spirit. And this month, our book of the month is the Gospel of Mark. I love the Gospel of Mark. Of Mark. It's the shortest gospel. It's easy to read. It's fast-paced, and I want you to read along in the gospel of Mark. Several of our messages this month will be coming out of the gospel of St. Mark, and I told you last week that one of the things you need to do as you're trying to become the man, the woman, the young person that God wants you to be is no matter how much of the Bible you're reading, no matter what portion of the Bible you're working your way through, and you need to be working through, you need to have a method to your madness, you need to have a system to your study, but no matter what your system is to Bible study, you need to constantly be revisiting the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because it's in those four Gospels that God reveals to us the life of his son Jesus Christ and I want you to really get involved in the gospel of St. Mark this month. I'm going to tell you a few things about the gospels today because we're going to be looking at these in class on Wednesday night and we're going to be talking about these through the month of November but when we talk about the first four books of the New Testament we call those books the gospels. Now each writer, who are the writers? All right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one of the writers has a distinct way that they portray Christ. Each has a distinct writing style. Each has a distinct emphasis. Each has a distinct theme, and each has a distinct audience or group of people that it's writing to. Now, we understand that the Bible tells us that God spoke to holy men, and he moved them to write record and 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 give us these stories that we have for our examples but each one of these Matthew Mark Luke and John inspired by the one and only true God but they each have a unique approach some of you have seen this before as we've looked at the gospels but uh li listen to the distinct portrayal in Matthew Christ is portrayed as the promised king and a lot in Matthew constantly referring to him as the king. In our book of the month this month, Mark, uh, Christ is portrayed as the servant of God. Actually, the book has been talked about, uh, the gospel of Mark, as being in two halves. The first half and the second half split in the, between those two, not in the middle chapter and verse-wise, but in the middle theme-wise to Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where it says Jesus came to serve. The first half, it shows us the serving Christ, and the last half, it shows us the sacrificial Christ. But Luke portrays Christ as the perfect man. John portrays Christ as the Son of God. Matthew writes his book like a teacher. Mark writes his book like a preacher. I've told you before, teaching is to give you facts and information. Preaching is to cause you 
to make a decision. Luke writes his book like a historian. John writes his book like a theologian. There's a different emphasis between the four Gospels. Matthew's emphasis is on Jesus' sermons. Mark's emphasis is on Jesus' miracles. Luke's emphasis is on Jesus' parables. And John's emphasis is on Jesus' doctrine. So Mark gives us this strong look at the miracles. I've, I've told you before, if TBS was broadcasting or giving a commercial for the upcoming miniseries, The Gospel of Mark. It would be movies for guys who like movies. It's a fast-paced look at the miracles of Jesus Christ. Matthew wrote to the Jews. Mark wrote to Gentiles in general, but Romans in particular. Luke wrote to the Greeks. John wrote to the entire world. Matthew's theme is Jesus is the Messiah predicted by Old Testament prophecy. Matthew has more Old Testament quotes than all the other three Gospels combined because he was writing to the Jews and he was revealing Jesus as the Messiah predicted in the Old Testament. Mark's theme is Jesus backed up by his words with action. Luke's theme is the compassion and humanity of Jesus. That makes a lot of sense because Luke's profession was that of a doctor. So he takes a, 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 an approach of compassion and humanity. And John's theme is the deity of Christ. Mark portrays Christ as a servant, I just said. He writes like a teacher. His emphasis on miracles. He wrote to the Gentiles in general, Romans in particular, and he's all about action. Say action. When you read the Gospel of Mark, I want you to read it like you read every other portion of the Word of God. I want you to look for promises, and I want you to look for commands. And I want you to see in the Gospel of St. Mark all the activity that the Lord did while He walked on this earth. And I want you to get it in your mind anytime you're reading any part of the Bible that Jesus is a real human being. Do you get that? Sounds simple, right? But if you've been in church for a long time, we can almost be programmed to look at it as if Jesus is some type of robotic figure. Do you know when they pierced his, his hands and his feet with nails that he bled just like you would bleed if they, if they drove nails into your hands and feet? He, he had hunger. He had thirst. He was a human being. And you need to familiarize yourself with the gospel accounts of Jesus. And as we read through Mark this month, remember he's... An action guy. I'll tell you one other thing about him, then we'll get into today's message. Mark, the gospel writer, is also a cousin to one of the apostles whose name is what? Barnabas. The apostle Barnabas was uh, Mark's cousin. Mark was led to Christ by St. Peter, but Barnabas was his cousin, and Barnabas was the one dude in the Bible with money. Barnabas had lots of money, and he financed a lot of ministry so here's here's my little payoff for you this morning you either are designed by God to have lots of money and finance ministry or to die for your faith you get to pick you want to give all your money to finance ministry or do you want to be a martyr uh, or maybe somewhere in the middle but in Colossians chapter 4 verse 10 um, the scripture tells us that Mark is Barnabas cousin Barnabas a phenomenal figure we're going to be looking at the book of Acts in the coming months and, and we'll see more about Barnabas and Mark there but the big verse the payoff verse the, the 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 central verse to Mark is found in the end of 
the Gospel of Mark in chapter 16, verse 15. Listen to what it says. And he said unto them, this is Jesus talking, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Some of y'all are nodding on me. Hurry up and wake up because I'm going to be done in the next 10 minutes because my throat is tightening up and it's really hard to swallow. uh, And you can't talk much without swallowing or it just starts to spill out. And that's a bad look. So let's all lock in because I'm going to be out of here really quick this morning. But look at what Jesus said. Go into where? All the world and preach the gospel to who? Every creature. This is the command of our Lord Jesus Christ recorded in Mark's gospel. And before we get out of here this morning, I want to make sure that everyone in the room knows what the gospel is and what the gospel does. Because Jesus commanded us to preach the what? Preach the gospel. So we need to know what the gospel is and we also need to know what the gospel is. Does Now, if we were taking a test this morning and I said, take out pen and paper or just think in your mind and tell me briefly, don't say it out loud, but would you be able to give a right and ready answer for what is the gospel? You can't preach it if you don't know what it is. And if I ask you what does it do, you can't tell me why it needs to be preached unless we know what it does. So before we leave here today, I want you to know what the gospel is and what the gospel does. If you have a modern translation of the Bible where the word gospel is recorded in some of the older translations of the Bible, newer translations translate that word gospel into two words, good news. The gospel basically is the good news, but not good news about hamburgers, not good news about the fair, not good news about the weather report, but good news about something very specific. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 tell us exactly what the gospel is. So for the purpose of learning what the gospel is, I want you to follow along with me on the screen as we see what the gospel is. Paul's writing to believers in Corinth, and he says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. The gospel is something that should be preached. The gospel is something that should be received. And the gospel is something that should be stood in. Here's my question to you today. Are you preaching the gospel? I preach the gospel for several different reasons. Number one, I believe it's what God has called me to do. He's commanded us all to do it. But I also have as much selfishness in me as any other human being alive. And the Bible says that we can't go to heaven until this gospel is preached to the whole world first. So if you want to hurry up and get to heaven, if you want to see Jesus come back and wrap up this whole thing we call earth, get busy about proclaiming the gospel. We've got to preach it. We've got to receive it. And we've got to stand in it. Verse 2, Paul said, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3 and 4, here's where the definition comes. We're going to learn what the gospel is. In verse 3, he said, for I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins 
according to the scripture. Christ did what? He died. The Bible teaches plainly that because of sin, someone has to pay for a sacrifice. The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, that the payment for sin is death. What did Jesus do on the cross? He died. And so here, Paul is saying, I'm explaining to you what the gospel is. It's the good news. It's the story that Christ died in verse 3. But not only that, in verse 4 he says, and that he was buried, comma. Always pause on the punctuation. Pay attention to the punctuation. Not only did he die, but he was also buried. It goes on to say, and, that means there's more. Say there's more. He died, and he was buried, and he rose again when? The third day. There's so many people that like to nitpick and fault find and look for ways to argue with the Bible. I've had people say, well, if Jesus was in the belly of the earth for three days, like Jonah was in the fish's belly for three days, because that's what the Bible says, how is it from three days from Friday to Sunday? Because if you look at it, from Friday to Sunday is how many days? Three. Now, your mind might tell you two, but I've told you before, go rent a car from Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And they will tell you, if you rent it on Friday and you bring it back on, Saturday, on, on Sunday, you may have only had it for 48 hours, but guess how many days that is? That's Friday, that's Saturday, and that's Sunday. He died, he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. So what is the gospel? The gospel means good news. Not good news about weather. Good news about what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want you to get this in your mind. Those three words. Death, burial, resurrection. This is what the gospel is. Gospel means good news, but it's a specific good news. It's not good news about politics it's not just good news about finances it's specifically the good news concerning the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ I hear people talk about gospel radio most God most radio even though it may be Christian is not gospel because if it's not singing about the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ then it's not gospel for those of you who've known me for a long time you know I don't listen to Christian radio because I think it's, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. It's just not me. But I would encourage you Christian radio listeners, listen just to the titles of songs. I did this this week just, just for kicks, just to see what I would come up with. I listened to four songs in a row on Christian radio, and each one of the songs sang about us. It sang about how we're going to feel good, how we're going to get our blessing, how we're going to walk in victory. And I'm thinking, you know, this, this may be somewhat loosely called Christian music, but it's certainly not gospel music because it's not singing about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's just bubblegum rock music to try to make Christians feel better about themselves. And if your radio, if your music is not, Singing about death, burial, and resurrection, it's not gospel. I hear a lot of people talk about gospel television. And gospel TV is not gospel if it's not dealing with three words. Let's make sure we know so we can get out of here. The three words that describe the gospel are 
That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us to be saved that we have to believe in Jesus. But it's not just that believe Jesus was a person. In the book of Acts, the Philippian jailer asked Paul, what do I have to do to be saved? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus and thou shalt be saved. Well, it's not just believing that he's a person. It's believing in his death, burial, and resurrection that saves you. Everybody believes Jesus is a person. Jesus is the most documented figure in all of human history. There's no one of any intellect at all that doubts whether or not Jesus is a person. You don't have to get your unsafe family members to believe in Jesus the person to become a Christian. You don't need your unsaved loved ones to believe that Jesus was a human being to become a Christian. What we need to believe is that he died he was buried, and he rose again. See, it's resurrection that makes the difference. The Bible says that because he was raised from the dead, our belief in that will enable us to be raised from the dead as well. Before you leave here this morning, I want you to think in your own mind. Do you believe when you die that there's something after this life? Do you believe that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? If you do believe there's something after this life, how do you suppose you will get to it? Many people think they'll get to heaven by being a good person, by keeping rules and regulations. But the Bible declares for itself that by keeping the law, no one will ever be justified. We're not made right with God by keeping rules and regulations. We're made right with God by faith. Faith in what? Faith in the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. The good news about what? The good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you want your family to go to heaven and spend eternity in heaven with the Lord, you need to make sure that they believe in resurrection. You need to make sure that they believe that Jesus not only died, but that he died sacrificially for us and that God raised him from the dead. I told you we need to know what the gospel is, and we need to know what the gospel does. For finding out what the gospel does, let's look in our opening text, Romans 1.16, and I'm going to be done. In Romans 1.16, Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, colon, always pause. On the punctuation, take the Bible in bite-sized pieces. Get it down on the inside so you can understand it. Paul said he wasn't ashamed of what? The gospel of Christ. Gospel is good news. Good news about what? Good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because the good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will give you power to be saved. Nothing else will. Nothing else will bring about salvation in your life. Not keeping the nursery, not paying tithes and offerings, not being a good person. But it is this good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Paul said that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now that phrase in the Greek, everyone that believeth, 
is a two-fold process. It means that everyone can and the only ones who will have to come the same way. Everyone can be saved by believing, and the only way you can be saved is by believing. So what do you have to do to get saved? Say believe. But what do you have to believe? You have to believe the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is the good news. The good news about what? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here's the biggest question that the church ought to be answering around the world. And here's the biggest question that you need to settle in your own life. Are you going to heaven when you die? If you do, it won't be because you're a good person. It won't be because you are a church member. It won't be because you knew some Christians. It will only be because you have had a firsthand experience with the power of God that brings salvation. It's a belief system. It's a belief that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose from the dead. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ as I listen to preachers preach and I watch how Christians live in 2017. I, it seems to me like most people are really ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people seem to be ashamed of this message as if it isn't enough because there's more preaching being preached in America right now on five keys to happiness and three tricks to building your treasure and 15 ways to become a wonderful person than there is the simplicity of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. How many of you know you can be happy and still make hell your home forever? Learning five different ways to manipulate the Bible so you have joy in this life won't get you to heaven. I'd rather die a crippled man and get to heaven than live with all the joy this earth could bring and live in hell forever. So we need to find out because all the words of the Bible are specific. And God did not inspire Paul to say this for no reason. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He embraced it himself. He had a personal experience with this good news that brought power in his life. The, the Bible says that when you receive Jesus, the truth about Jesus, God gives you the power to become a child of God. I wonder how ashamed you are of the gospel. Kids, you'll be going back to school tomorrow. I wonder how ashamed you are of the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ on your campuses. Adults, hopefully you'll be going to work tomorrow. I wonder how ashamed you are of the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is a boldness that is being talked about in this verse, a joyful boldness where Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this message. I want everyone to know that I know that Jesus was raised from the dead. Do you want everyone to know that you know? Or are you keeping that on the down low? Do you want everyone to know that you know? Or is this something that you're hiding? What if all your friends knew that you believed in the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead. I've gone to people's job site before to minister to them on the job site, and I'm looking for them. And I'll ask somebody, do you know so-and-so? Oh, yeah, they work in my section. Oh, I'm Pastor Scott. I pastor church. They go to church? 
Do your friends even know that you go to church? Or are you keeping that? Well, that's personal. And I like to keep that between me and the Lord. No, you're ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Or perhaps, maybe you're not ashamed of the message of the good news. You're just ashamed of the message of you. Is this on? Paul was able to boldly say, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I hope you believe. We need to know what the gospel is, and we need to know what it does. Real quick, what does it do? And we're out of here. It gives us the information needed to bring about salvation. The gospel, the good news, tells us about this power in God to bring about salvation. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to make sure that you truly say, see, the biggest problem with most churches isn't that they're not impacting their community. That is a problem. The biggest problem with most churches isn't that they're not feeding their community. That is a problem. But the biggest problem with most church-going people is they're not going around doing what Jesus told us to do. They're not going around telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Are you going around telling everybody about somebody that can save anybody? Because if you're not, you're not doing what God called you to do. Jesus said in the last chapter of our book of the month this month to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this gospel because there's power in the gospel. Say power. There's power in the gospel unto salvation. Two things I want you to see about salvation, and we're going to get out of here. Salvation is about the future, but it's also about now. The Greek word for salvation used in this passage of Scripture is not unlike the the Greek word used in many portions of Scripture when it talks about salvation. That is something that's going to happen to you in the future. Do you want to have salvation on the other side of eternity? Go like this. Okay, but this word salvation is also the same word and concept used for deliverance. Everyone in this room, everyone on this planet needs two aspects to this power. You need the power to save you for eternity's sake, and you need the power to deliver you for today's sake. Salvation and deliverance are two sides of the same coin. It's all wrapped up in the good news of the power that God gives us in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because it takes power to get you out of the grave and into heaven. But it also takes power to get you off of your agenda and onto God's agenda. So all of us need these two things today. We all need salvation and we all need deliverance. If We had the time and enough honest people in the room this morning. We could start with Nancy and work our way all the way back around to Karen and say, are you saved? Boom, 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 boom. Okay. Now, you are or you're not. Those are the only two options, not I hope so. Hope so means you don't know so. And the Bible says God wrote these things to us so that we could know that we have eternal life. But after finding out if you're saved, the next question I would ask you is, what do you need delivered from? See, in this room, how many, how many of y'all believe we got some drunks in this room? Well, not in church. 
I started to say all, all the real drunk just rose their hand, but I saw some of y'all raise your hand. Y'all might not be. See, we need X-rated people at Abundant Life. I don't mean X-rated like the movie version X. I mean X-rated like former, say former. I mean like ex-drug addicts, ex-alcoholics, ex-pornographers, ex-crazy folks, ex-freaks who come out at night, ex-ex-ex, people who used to be one way but got delivered and now are a different way. The problem with most people sitting in churches, they've never been impacted by the gospel that brings salvation or the gospel that brings deliverance. Every one of us have these two needs this morning. We all need salvation. I got good news for you. If you're here and you're not saved today, the Bible says all you have to do is believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again the third day so that you could be forgiven of your sins. If you're here and you're not saved today, please stop trying to fool people. Please stop trying to get over. Please stop trying to act like you've got something that you don't have. There are so many people. uh, Let's just see. Let's see how many honest people. Personally, I have walked the aisle more than one time in my life. Personally, I've been baptized more than one time in my life because all that early walking and early baptism didn't really get it for me. That was all emotional decisions. How many people have ever walked the aisle more than one time trying to get saved? Okay, all right, I appreciate that. Now check this out. Some people won't walk the aisle again trying to get saved because they walked it before. But let me tell you something. It frustrates me to order breakfast every Sunday morning at the Burger King. I haven't talked to y'all about that for a long time because I let them folk go over there on 103rd Street. I understand. There's a language barrier. I speaks English. That's funny. If they, and they do, okay, now now let's just see if we can follow this. Every single Sunday morning, I make no variance at all for my order. I can tell you exactly how much it costs. If the the dollar amount is wrong, I know they, they messed the order up. Same order every time. Seth, sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. What does he want? You're not even a Burger King. Some of y'all, you most of y'all aren't even Burger King professionals, but you got that off the rip. What does he want? They cannot seem to get that. I know how to say sausage. Now, the fact that, you know, some people say sausage, sausage. Let me get that sausage. You say, what, you want that sausage, egg, and cheese? Sausage. Yeah, that's what I want. But no matter how many times they ask me to repeat my order, if I really want them to get it, guess what I have to do? I have to repeat it because it hasn't manifested yet into sausage, egg, and cheese. And if I want to get sausage, egg, and cheese through the window, I have to keep asking for sausage, egg, and cheese. Now, if they hand me... Whatever else they make. And I look at it, and it's not sausage, egg, and cheese. I'll give it back. And I'll ask for it again. And guess how many times I'll keep asking for it? Why wouldn't you, on the most important decision facing you in life, be willing to reorder your eternity as willing as I am to reorder sausage, egg, and cheese? Well, Pastor Scott, I just, 
I, I, I don't feel like I can walk. I, I, I tried before, and it didn't work for me. Listen, I tried to order sausage, egg, and cheese 52 weeks, year after year after year, but I, they will not slow me down. Show up next Sunday at 9.30. See what I'll be in that drive-thru ordering. I'll be asking for sausage, egg, and cheese, a fully loaded sandwich, and a bacon and egg croissant. Now, that's the, that's the problem, really, more than anything. You want cheese on that? Excuse me? You want cheese on that? You want cheese on that? On that? On that? On that? No, I don't want nothing on that. I didn't say nothing on that. On that? You want cheese on that? Bacon and egg croissant. You want cheese on that? No. I didn't want cheese on that last Sunday. I don't want cheese on that next Sunday. I want a bacon and an egg croissant, two small Cokes, and a large Dr. Pepper. Well, why you get the large and they get the small? You, just the fact that you would ask me that shows you got bad home training. <laughs> they got the small because I was feeling generous. They could have got nothing. <laughs> Every week. You want cheese on that? And even when they don't, they ring it up. B. Slash, E slash C. Guess what that stands for? Cheese on that. I don't want cheese on that. <laughs> Ever. I'm not going to change my mind. And if they put cheese on that, I'm bringing it back. I will circle back around and they say, uh, is there a problem? It's a problem. Guess what the problem is? You put cheese on that. And I didn't ask for no cheese on that. I'm ordering the same thing every week. And I have to order it almost every week more than once. Many times more than twice. Sometimes five, six, 15 frustrating times. But it's important to me that they get that order right. So no matter how many times they ask me, I'm still looking at the screen. And until they take that slash seat, off that B slash E, I'm not pulling around to pay them my money because I need that slash C to come off the screen. And then I have reasonable hope that they're going to get it right. But then when I lean it back, hand it to Jake, I ask him, how many biscuits in that bag? Because if there's not three, one of them's missing. What am I saying? Breakfast is minor. Well, to me, it's a pretty big deal So on Sunday. But in contrast to eternity, it's meaningless. And I am willing to continue to order it again and again and again and again and again until either I get it or they get it right. Somehow we got to come to an agreement that this is a bacon and egg croissant with no cheese. Because that's the only way I'm eating it. 
And they're taking my money. So I need to get the right thing. Some of y'all won't walk the aisle again because you walked the aisle before. But if walking the aisle didn't get you salvation, well, you just got cheese on that. And didn't get salvation. What am I saying? Some of you need to do what you need to do to have a personal experience with the power of God that brings about salvation. It's not hard to do. It's much easier than it is ordering through a bad speaker system on 103rd Street because God can hear. And he said, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, he will save you. He said, if you will call on his name, he will save you. You can have a personal experience with the saving power of God if you will simply ask him to save you. Some of us have done that. Thereby, we have real salvation. But we're still walking in areas of difficulty. We're still walking in areas of bondage. We're still walking in areas where we need deliverance. But deliverance comes the same way salvation comes. It comes through the good news. It comes through the fact that Jesus paid for our sin on a hill called Calvary so that we could have salvation. Jesus paid for our physical healing on Calvary so that we could walk in healing. Jesus paid for our prosperity on Calvary so we could walk in prosperity. Jesus wants us to be free. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Well, the problem is some of us claim to know the truth, but we're not free. Do you really know the truth this morning? If you stood before God right now, if today was your final day on this earth, and you stood before God, and he asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? There's only one acceptable answer. Because I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as the payment for my sin so that I could get into heaven. Have you accepted the payment that Jesus made on Calvary so that you could get into heaven? If you haven't, I want to encourage you today, call on the name of the Lord and let God save you. If you're here and you are saved, I want you to understand the duality of this word salvation that also connotates deliverance. What do you need God to deliver you from? Some of you, it's past time that you quit cussing. Some of you, it's past time that you quit drinking. Some of you, past time you quit getting high. Some of you, past time you quit cheating on your marriage. Some of you, past time that you quit stealing the tithe and the offering from God. You're claiming salvation, but you're living nothing. Is there power in your belief? Is there power? See, the gospel is about power. Is there power in your belief system to get you salvation? Is there power in your belief system to get you deliverance? If there's not, you're doing something wrong. And you need to keep ordering till you get your order right. You need to keep requesting, keep asking, because the Bible says if you keep on asking, one day you will receive. So what is it you want from God? If you're here and you're not saved today, you need to want salvation. Mm. 
The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's the best news anyone could ever give you. Because God loves us so much, he sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay for our own sins. And if we will trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can be saved. I really wonder why some people didn't come to church. Some come because they love the Lord. Some come because they're saved. Some come because their family members make them come. Some come, I don't even know why. Are you ashamed of the Lord? Or are you thankful for God's power that has brought real salvation into your life? If you're not sure that you have real salvation, you need to call on the Lord. And you need to let God save you. Everyone in this room has struggles. Everyone in this room has sins. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. I don't know what your struggle is. But I know this. The power of God can deliver you from your struggle. If you will ask him to. Ask and you shall receive. If you're not saved, ask God to save you. If you're not delivered, ask God to deliver you. How wild would it be? Even in this small group of people, if everyone in this room was saved and delivered, we could change the world. In the first century, the Christian church changed the world. The Bible says that they turned the world upside down for Jesus because they weren't ashamed of Jesus. Everywhere they went, they asked people, have you heard, have you heard? Have you heard? Jesus died, but he rose from the dead. See, we can argue about theology. You can find different people to argue, different points about theology. But one thing no one can argue with me about is my own testimony. Because I know on July 15, 1981, when I knelt down beside my bed at 6956 Malden Lane on the west side of Jacksonville, and I asked God to save me, he saved me. and He changed my life. I asked him to save me, and he did. And I had a personal experience with the power of God that brought salvation into my life. Have you had that experience? Are you born again? Some of you have been sitting in church for so long, you don't even think about it anymore. You used to know that you're not saved and you need to do something about it, but you, you've gotten too comfortable sitting in church even though you're not truly born again. Do you know the number of times you sat in church won't get you into heaven? God's not going to ask you how many times you sat in church when you stand before him on the judgment day. He's going to ask you, did you ever come face to face with the good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and receive that personally and become acquainted with God's power to save you? I think many of us have. But I think many of us are trying to live the Christian life on our own. If you're here today and you're trying to live the Christian life on your own, you're going to be a frustrated person. You're going to be asking yourself, with, with millions of other people who've asked the same question, why can't I stop doing all these things that I know I should stop doing? God never intended on us saving ourselves. 
and God never intending on us delivering ourselves. If we could save ourselves, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross for us. If we could deliver ourselves, we wouldn't need him every hour. Has he delivered you from anything? The Bible says if you're truly in Christ that old things pass away and all things become new. You, you become a new person when you truly get saved. If nothing in your life has changed from the old you to where you are now, salvation has not happened in your life. And you need to let it happen. If you're sure that salvation has happened in your life, but you're not where you need to be, In your, in your relationship with God, then you need to call on the name of the Lord and ask God to deliver you. It's not God's best plan for his children to be liars and gossips and cheats, drunks and drug addicts and thieves. These are not the things that God saved us to be. Are you familiar with God's power? Do you feel the power of God in your own life? Do you know that you know that you know that you are saved for real? And are you walking daily in his deliverance? See, the good news is the truth that tells us Jesus died, was buried, and rose from the dead. And it can bring about salvation in your life. And it can bring about deliverance in your life. But the bad news is most people would rather fake it and hope they make it. But that's a recipe for failure and not success. If you need salvation, we're not going to have a big altar call this morning. I'm not going to ask anybody to come down here and pray with me. You don't need to pray with me. You just need to ask God to save you for real. And you need to quit being ashamed of him. You need to draw a line in the sand that says, for the Lord I live and for the Lord I'll die. And I'm going to get serious about my relationship with God. And I'm not only going to be saved, but I'm going to be delivered. I'm going to live right, give right, act right, be right, serve right, and do right. Paul said, I'm not ashamed. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father on Judgment Day. You walk around trying to be some secret agent Christian. You're going to get denied before God on judgment day. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Embrace him as your Savior. Honor him as your Lord. If we, if each person in this room who's truly saved would just make a decision that says, I'm going to quit trying to do me, and I'm just going to be all that God called me to be. We'd have better lives. We'd have better families. We'd have a better world to live in. There's only one way to get saved. There's only one way to get delivered. And until you get it right, you need to keep asking. You need to keep seeking. And you need to keep knocking. Because one thing's for sure. One day this life is going to be over. And the Bible says that after this life comes the judgment. Are you comfortable today standing before God in your current situation? See, because I don't know what your current situation is, but God does. I don't know what your current struggle is, but God does. You may be cheating. You may be slipping. You may be creeping. You may have lots of people fooled, but you can't fool God. 
Are you ashamed of God? Don't be ashamed of God on judgment day. Get saved for real. Get in your process of deliverance because it's only then that we can fulfill the Great Commission. Last verse I'm going to give you, and we've already looked at it. St. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What it is and what it does. It's the good news about his death, burial, and resurrection. And what it does, it'll give you the power to be a real Christian. And it'll give you the power to live like a real Christian. We cannot do this on our own. We need the Lord to save us, to heal us, and to deliver us. Stop playing church. Stop pretending you possess what you don't possess. And get it right with God before it's too late. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would reveal yourself to each person in this room. God, for every person in this room that's not truly saved, Lord, I pray that you would bring salvation. And God, for each person in this room who is saved but is not following you the way that they should, Father, I pray that you would deliver them. God, I pray that you would let us go and preach this good news to everyone and not be ashamed to call ourselves Christians. Not be ashamed of the power that brings new life. God, I pray you'd change us so we can go out and preach a true gospel. I pray that you'd change us, God, so that we could go out and tell everybody about your son Jesus and your willingness to save anybody who would believe. Thank you for giving us the faith to believe, God. I pray that you would guide us by your spirit every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.